in these parashiyos that we read now, we have so much descriptive detail about building the Mishkan. And we talk about the Zav, the Kesef, the Nechoshes, all of the different items that were necessary of how to construct a perfect Mishkan. And we have it not only in last week's parasha, in Parshas Truma, we have it again in Parshas Tetzaveh, we have it in Parshas Vayakel, and then a fourth time in Parshas Pekudeh. It's over and over again, this discussion about how to construct a Mishkan properly. What exactly is the reason? What is the objective? What's the aspiration of building a Mishkan? Why do we need to have a Mishkan? So listen to a Medrash in last week's Parsha. The Medrash writes, V'asuli Migdash V'shachanti V'socham. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Make a Beis HaMikdash for me, make a Mishkan for me, and I will come and reside my Shechina there. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yisrael, says the Medrash, you want to understand why do you have to build a Mishkan? Why is it important? Here, says the Medrash, is the reason. The Rebona Shalom, God says to the Jewish people, Atem Tzoni V'ani Haroet. You are my sheep, and I am the shepherd. It would make sense that if you are the sheep and you're being watched by a shepherd, you should make a place for the shepherd to have shelter. The shepherd's going to be out in the sun all day. He's going to get sunburned. He can't stay out there. He can't take care of you. So it makes sense that you should make a space for the shepherd to live while he's looking after his sheep. And therefore, says the Rebona Shalom, that's why I want you to build me a mishka. Number two, says the Medrash. Why do we have the opportunity to build a Mishkan? Because Atem HaKerem, Vani HaShomer, you are the vineyard, and there has to be a watchman who's going to be there to make sure that the vineyard doesn't get destroyed, that nobody comes and steals all the grapes. So it would make sense that if you have the expectation that a Shomer is going to be standing by the vineyard all day, it makes sense that you should make a little hut for the Shomer to stay in, that he's not going to get exhausted, that he's not going to get tired out, that he'll be able to do his job in a comfortable way. And therefore, says the Medrash, that is why HaKadosh Baruch Hu asks us to build a Mishkan. As the Pesach says, lo yanum yishan shomer Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Shomer of the Jewish people, just like the Shomer for the vineyard, and therefore we have to build him a place for him to reside. Number three, says the Medrash, Atem banim You are my children, and I am your father. And therefore he says, that is why it is respectful of children to build a special guest room in their home for their parents to come visit. And therefore, says the Medrash, that is why the Rebona Shalom asks of all of us to build a Mishkan, to build a Beis Migdash, because he wants to have a place that will be close to his children, that he can come visit. Now, all three of those Mishalim in the Medrash sound very similar. Number one, the Medrash says, reason to build a Mishkan is because you are my sheep and I'm the shepherd. Number two, says the Medrash, you are my vineyard and I am the Shomer. Number three, it says, you are my children and I'm the father. And therefore, for all of those reasons you have the opportunity to build a Mishkan to fit in with each one of those, uh, with, with each one of those descriptions. But why does the Medrash share all three of them? They're all the same. The point is, build a Mishkan. Build a place for the Rebona Shalom to reside His presence in this world. And I think the answer is that what it's trying to highlight here is our three-pronged relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Number one, we look at the Rebona Shalom as a Roet zone. What does that mean? A roetzon, a shepherd, is attentive, is thoughtful, is the guide, is the leader. The sheep don't know how to do anything without being guided by the shepherd. They completely rely on his direction and on his instruction. And just like the sheep have a complete dependence and a total reliance on the shepherd, we believe that we have a total reliance on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We don't know how to navigate this world without the Rebona Shalom's direction. Our relationship with him is one of a roetzon, 
to his sheep. Number two, says the Medrash, we also believe in the Ribbona Shalolam and we feel a relationship with him which is one of a Shomer. He is our protection. He is the Shomer Yisrael. He is our shield. He is our security. He is the defender of the Jewish people. That's what Shomer Yisrael means. So there are so many nations of the world who try to destroy and ravage the Jewish people, who try to steal his beautiful vineyard, his kerem. And we highlight the significance of the fact that the Ribbon Shalom is not only the Roe Hatzon that we follow, but also he is the one who is the Shomer Yisrael who protects the Jewish people. And finally, our imagery of our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes so far beyond that. Probably most importantly, he is the Av Libanim. He is the father to his children. And that means that he has a loving, dedicated, generous, and devoted relationship with his children like any parent would. And this is what we're lacking without a Beis HaMikdash. When the Torah says, Va'asuli Migdash V'shachanti B'socham, the aspiration is that we should feel all three of those relationships coming together. Number one, the Ro'ah Number two, the Shomer Yisrael. And number three, the Av Lebanim. And all of those are lacking when we don't have a Beis HaMikdash. And that is what we daven for. And that is what we need so badly. The Gemara says in Maseches Bab Metziah, commenting in a Pasuk in Sefer Tehillim, it says that the world, it's in Barchi Nafshi, we say in Rosh Chodesh, Toshes Choshech V'Hilayla means you're going to look outside and it's going to be complete and absolute darkness. What is that a reference to? Says the Gemara, That is a reference to the world in which we inhabit, which is so dark, so disorienting, so confusing, it is Domel Alayla. It's like you're walking out outside, like the Gemara says, Ki'iver HaMegashesh Ba'afela, like, Anyone ever went to the Bly Museum? You can feel around, but you really don't get what it is that you're doing. Like a blind person who's walking around. That's the kind of feeling we have sometimes in this world. When we look around and we're so confused and we just don't understand. And we try to be believers and we try to understand the things that are going on around us and the experiences of our own lives. And sometimes it's very, very hard to put it all into context and to understand it properly. In fact... The Gemara says in Masechus Psachim, a very unusual story, that Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbi Shua ben Levi, got sick. And after he was very critically sick, he then died. And the Gemara says that he died and he went up to the heavens and then Atchias HaMesim occurred and he came back. And everyone was very excited. Tell us, what did you see? You died for a few minutes. Tell us, share us the secrets of what happened in those couple of minutes that you weren't here anymore. And he turns to all of the friends that were gathered there and he says, you want to know what I saw? I saw an upside down world. I saw that all the people that seem to be insignificant in this world really are very significant in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And all the people who are pumping themselves up and saying how important they are, I don't know. When I saw that in the real world, in God's eyes, it seemed to me that everything is backwards from the perspective that we have. And sometimes that is the kind of world that we live in. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Sefer Gesher HaChaim, which is a Sefer by Rabbi Chil Michal Tukachinsky. He lived in Yerushalayim. And he wrote a very important Sefer on Hilchas Avelis. It's a three-volume Sefer on Hilchas Avelis. In the introduction, in the introduction, he gives a beautiful mashal that ended up being a journey song. I happen to like the journey song more than the mashal, but it's because I love music. But the mashal is very beautiful. And he gives a mashal about twins who are in utero. And the twins are having a very important philosophic, 
philosophical conversation, but they're really enjoying each other's company and they're spending all the time together and they feel very sheltered and it's a very pleasant environment and they have everything they need. It's like a utopian life. What can be better? We're very warm here. We're getting the food and sustenance that we need. We don't have to go anywhere. Anywhere we need to travel, our mother takes us. And everything's great. Everything's perfect. What can be bad? And one day they get into a big, serious, heated debate. One brother turns to the other and he says, you know, I got to tell you, something is nagging at me. I really believe that this is not where we're going to be forever. I really believe there's going to be a world that we're going to get into after we're out of here. His brother turns to him and he says, are you insane? What are you talking about? This is life. This is everything. And back and forth, they have this whole conversation. And one brother turns to the other and he says, I don't know, something, I have an imagination that there's going to be like colors and shades and light and dark. And there's going to be food and there's going to be people and cars and, and a world and buildings and houses, day and night, light and dark and all different things. And his brother says, you know, I'm really sorry for you. You've gone nuts. Like, you're really insane. This is crazy. And he's hysterical about like what has happened to my brother and finally it comes the time when the labor begins and um and slowly the brother inside is crying because his brother is slipping away and dying and leaving this world and he hears on the other end as his brother is born his brother is crying and it must be because he died he never cried while he was here And little does he know that the only reason why his brother is crying is because he's come into a world. It's because he's alive. He's not crying out of anguish and he's not crying out of fear. He's crying out of an excitement to be seeing an amazing world and to be invited into that experience. And the muscle that he's trying to display with that story is, I guess convey is the right word. The muscle he's trying to convey is that we have a very skewed perspective of everything that happens on this world. And it's very limited. And sometimes we can find ourselves like that child in utero who is looking in a very narrow way, whose perspective is very limited, whose attitude and vantage point is not seeing the full perspective, is not seeing the full picture. And, and because of that, we come to certain conclusions, but we don't understand that there's a big world out there and we believe in something much larger than what we see in front of us. And it's, it's part of the fundamental foundations of everything we believe in. We believe in a God that is Ro'ev Enonira. We believe in a God that you can't see. Obviously something much bigger than anything that our eyes can even appreciate. We believe in a Neshama, which is something that we can't see. This is the fundamentals of everything we believe in. And says Rebekhiel Michal Tokachinsky, it's important to keep in mind that sometimes as we navigate the complexity of this world, we don't realize that we have a very limited perspective. It's an olam hafuch ra'isi, like the Gemara says. It's a world that gives us a perspective that may not always be accurate. You know, the Rambam and the Marnevuchim writes a, uh, a very interesting story about somebody who had difficulty understanding Darche Hashem. doesn't understand, like, why do all these things happen in the world and why are we living and what are we doing and what's going on? So the mashal that the Rambam gives there in the Marnevuchim is to a young child who is born in a desert, and it's just him and his parents. And after he's three weeks old, his mother passes away, and his father is trying to raise him. And his father raises him, and then at some point his father dies, and he's out there by himself, and he's doing his thing. And never in his life has he seen a woman. Never in his life has he seen a woman. And one day, somebody comes traveling through the desert and bumps into this young man, and he says, "Uh, you know, I'm just curious. Do you have any idea? How did you come into the world? How were you created? 
And this guy says, how was I created? I don't know. I, I got here. I'm here. He says, no, no, no. You had a mother who got pregnant, who then carried you for nine months. Said, what are you talking about? First of all, what does a mother even mean? So the guy backs up. He's like, oh, you actually never met a woman. You don't know that there are two different genders. There's like a man and a woman. And by the way, like, you know, somehow it's possible that one of the, he's like, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as another gender that just doesn't exist. You're insane. Uh, but let's say you're correct. So there's such a thing as a woman. Then what happens? Then I grow inside of her. And then how do I breathe? And how do I eat, by the way? So if you put me in a plastic bag, I won't be able to breathe and I won't be able to eat. So are you telling me that I was inside of a plastic bag inside of my mother and you're telling me now I'm here? They can't be. And he starts asking him questions that are so obvious that make a lot of sense. If you know anything about science, you'll know that his questions are actually correct. You can't breathe inside of a bag and you can't eat when you're not allowed to open your mouth because you're going to suffocate from having all of the fluids come in and overcome you. So... All of his questions are correct, but says the Ramam, all of his questions are right, but he is absurd. What he's asking is totally absurd. And he doesn't understand that, yes, it's true. Any reasonable, rational person should ask the same questions that he's asking. Any intelligent person should ask the same kinds of questions he's asking. But anyone who knows anything about the world knows that that's ridiculous. And you don't have to be the world's greatest scientist to know it's ridiculous. We all know there are men in the world, there are women in the world. We know that there are times when women are pregnant and whatever it is, it works. We've seen it. It happens. Children are born from women. And somehow they survive that experience. However, you're going to explain it. But says the Ramam, a person can live their whole life saying, I'm so intelligent and I have these questions. And they're insurmountable questions. You know what? My conclusion is, it's impossible that I was born from a woman. Yeah, it's impossible in your mind because you've never seen or appreciated such a thing. So it's impossible for you to imagine. Talk to anyone in the world who has seen it. And it makes a lot of sense. There are things in our world, says the Ramam, that are so beyond our intellect, so beyond our ability to fully appreciate or understand. And that is why it's important for all of us to have the opportunity to think a little bit about the Ribbona Shalom in our lives. And I feel as we read the story of the building of the Mishkan and as we think a lot about what that represents for all of us in our own lives, it's an opportunity for us to also realize what it is that we're missing without a Mishkan. What we're missing without a Mishkan is we do not have the opportunity to feel the presence of the Ribbona Shalom as the Shomer Yisrael, as the Roa Hatzon, and as the Av Lebanim. And that is why we need a Beis HaMikdash, to have the Ribbona Shalom back in our lives and to allow us once again to have that feeling and understanding of what it means to be in that kind of deep and sensitive relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we have been missing for so many thousands of years. Uh, I'll just end with one Amazing poem that I got this week from an almana in Eretz Yisrael, a recent almana. Her husband was killed in this war. And she wrote to me on Friday, this is so amazing, this poem. The Torah says in last week's parsha, We were all expected to give some kind of contribution, some kind of gift toward the building of the Mishkan. And everybody gave kefi nidvas libo. Each person, our Kaddish Baruch didn't prescribe how much everyone had to give. Everybody gave whatever they were able to give. And everyone gave out of the goodness of their heart. Everyone gave because they wanted to give and they felt connected. So when you read the story, you ask yourself, look, I'm not building a Beis HaMikdash now. I'm not building a Mishkan. So how is this relevant to me? And she wrote such a meaningful poem where she talks about 
all of the contributions that have been given over the last four months to the Ribbon Shalom. Kama Trumos Nesfu Alecha. How many contributions were given to you? Levavos Nadivim Heinachta Bekeravamecha. How many kind hearted people have given of their hearts to others? Nashim Shentarmu Ba'aleim, women who have sacrificed their husbands, who were killed. Avos Vimo Shentarmu Banim, fathers and mothers who are giving up their young sons in the army. Ahuvos Shentarmu Chaverim, so many friends have given up their closest ones in their lives. Kalos Shentarmu Chasanan, so many young Kalos who wanted to get married, who were engaged, who have given up their future with the ones who they love most. Meo Shloshim Ba'arba Trumos, Shetzrichim Od Lashuv Legvulan, 134 hostages who have given of themselves and have not yet come back. Raglaim Nitrimu, so many people's legs were given up because of the fighting. Yadaim Shech Ziku as Delas Hamamad, how many people's hands were given up when they were holding the safe room closed? Giborim Shetarmu Kliyav and Alchamu Lachzer Lamagal Alechima, how many soldiers gave of their own bodies and then went back to battle again after they were rehabilitated? Chasidim Nirtimu Likshar Tzitzios, how many great Jews all over the world gave of themselves to tie Tzitzis, Vikemach Shenitram Laalfe Hafrash Aschala, how many thousands of pounds of flour have been given and dedicated toward during the mitzvah of Hafrash Aschala? How many Anshe High Tech Tarmu Atzmam Lechaklaut? How many businessmen who are otherwise involved in other endeavors but yet dedicated themselves to go work the fields in Israel? Anshe Zaka Hikrivo Timimusam Yachadim Anshe Harabanud. How many rabbis of the IDF and members of Zaka have given of themselves to do the holy work that they do? How many Suudot Shabbat Pinukim Lenashot Amiluim? How many Shabbos meals have been sent to the wives of those chayalim who are out fighting, whose wives are alone with the children for months? How many iPhones were given out lepatsua and guitar liyasom? How many people have come to play music for the young yasomim who don't have anyone to cheer them up? How many people have opened their checkbooks? Check pasuach la'almana ha'chadasha shalyom. And we turn to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, she writes, and we say to him, we have mishtadim mechol kolchenu livnos lechabayis belibenu. We have given, we have been toreim. Kol ish asher yidven olibo. The Jewish people have given a lot, have dedicated a lot for the building of the ultimate Beis Amigdash, for this land to come to the place where it needs to get to. And we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to take all of those trumos, to take all of those different items that have been dedicated, that have been donated, that have been given with a full and noble heart, to take all of those and to understand that this is something that the Jewish people want. But beyond that, she writes, if you look in last week's Haftorah, we read about Shlomo HaMelech and the building of the Beis HaMikdash, which is the appropriate Haftorah for last week's Parsha, as we described the building of the Mishkan. And what are we told in the end of the whole story after Shlomo HaMelech spends years building it and puts in all the effort and all the energy, at the end of the story, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I've recognized the base Hamigdash that you have built and that you have invested toward and that you have given everything of yourself to make it a reality. And then the Ribbon Shalom says, Yisrael, Now that you have given all of this and you have built this beautiful edifice, I, Yisrael, I promise you that I in return will come and reside my presence among the Jewish people. And I will not leave from being on the side of the Jewish people. And that is what we daven for, that is what we pray for, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should see all of the trumos. Unfortunately, there have been so many. There have been so many. You know, you walk down the halls of Tel HaShomer,
and there are hundreds and hundreds of injured chayalim. We don't hear about it. They don't carry it on the news. I don't know if it's because they don't want to break the morale of the people or the army or the soldiers. I'm not sure. Hundreds of chayalim. Hundreds. Some of them without arms, some of them without legs, some of them with faces burnt off because they were blown up by explosions. You cannot imagine what is going on there. You cannot imagine how many people have been fighting, have been giving, and every one of them that I met, and I'm not unique, every one of them that everyone has met, and it's not by people who you choose, oh, this is a good room to go into. You knock on a door, you go in and you ask, do you want to meet someone or not? Every single one that I've met and heard from has the same sentiment and the same feeling. They have zero regrets. They feel proud of what they've given. And if they were able to, they would go back to the battlefield tomorrow. That's what they want. That's what they believe in, and it's what they understand. And to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be able to see that, I just feel as we read these parashios of Truma Tetzava Ve'yakob Lekudeh, as we talk about the building of the Mishkan, it's an opportunity for us to focus and to realize that we are trying to come to that time of building our own Beis HaMikdash. We are trying to come to that time where we'll have the opportunity to say, and I hope that the Ribbon Shalom will see all that we as a community are trying to do, have been working so hard to do. And Amir Sashem, all of that should bring us to an amazing place where we'll have that opportunity to be reunited with the Shomer HaKerem, with the Roah Hatzon, and with Avinu Shem HaShamayim, Bimheir Aviyameinu Amen.